Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Emma. And we are the Steministas. We educate the public about science and the news. And the ethical implications of new science findings. As promised, today we'll be talking about blood type diets. But before we get into that, we wanted to briefly introduce some basics of blood types. What are blood types? Well, you probably heard about the groups A, B, and O when talking about blood types. These letters refer to antigens, which are basically little identifiers that are on the surface of a person's red blood cells, as well as antibodies that are present in the plasma. As a reminder, an antigen is something that's recognized by the body as a foreign object that can then mount an immune response. Using the identifier analogy, you can think of an antigen as a unique identifier for your immune system. An antigen can be many things, part of a virus, allergens, or even toxins. Everyone has an H antigen that is the foundation of your blood type. Some people have instructions to add special sugar groups to the H antigen. Depending on the type of sugar, these new antigens are classified as either A or B. These are the classic types that you've heard of before. So if you lack the A and B antigens, you just have the plain old H antigen, and this is called the O blood type. In addition to A, B, and O, there's a protein called the rhesus factor, or RH for short, which can be either present, and this is called RH positive, or absent, this is called RH negative. A person can have only A, only B, A and B, or neither antigen. And when you combine this with the presence or absence of the rhesus factor, this comes out to eight different major blood groups. And the type of blood group becomes very important when the person needs a blood transfusion. Because the body can recognize what is self, a person with an A blood type having A antigens on their red blood cells will not produce antibodies against the A antigen. However, they will produce antibodies against the B antigen, so this is why blood transfusions have to be thought out very carefully so that the person doesn't mount an immune response against the blood being given to them. People with an AB positive blood type are called universal recipients because they contain all the possible antigens on the red blood cells and none of the antibodies in their plasma. Whereas people with an O minus blood type are called universal donors because they have none of the antigens on the red blood cells and thus can donate blood to anyone. Unfortunately, people that are O minus would recognize all the antigens, A, B, or rhesus, and other blood types, so they can only receive transfusions from other O minus donors. And it just gets more disappointing for the O negative people of the world uh, because studies show that mosquitoes are more attracted to O blood. How did they test that? That sounds like a fun science experiment. It, it was. It was actually kind of clever how they designed the study in this uh, 2004 publication. So in the experiment, they amputated the proboscis, which is the mouth part of the mosquito that, that it bites you with. And then they had participants put their arms into an aquarium tank containing these mosquitoes with the amputated pro proboscis. So the mosquitoes would land on volunteers' arms and try to bite them, but not be able to because they had this amputation. So they did this experiment with one volunteer at a time and counted how many mosquitoes landed on that person's arm within 30 seconds. 
and they found that significantly more mosquitoes landed on the arms of participants with O blood types um, compared to those with A blood types. That's fascinating that mosquitoes can even distinguish the blood types. Is there any advantage to the mosquito for feeding off of one blood type versus another? Well, yes. According to a 2021 study, um, in this study, it was designed a little bit differently than the 2004 study. So researchers used chambers with different blood samples instead of individual participants and, and actual you know, live human arms. And with these different methods, they observed a preference for B-type blood instead of O-type blood. So, I mean, who knows? There, there are two big differences in these studies, uh, one being the actual, you know, the use of real human participants compared to just blood samples. And then um, the other thing is the aspect of measuring one individual at a time compared to the competition uh, that's present when you're giving the mosquito multiple blood sources to choose from. So it, it makes it kind of hard to compare the two studies. It's often the bane of scientists' existence to prove reproducibility. This is a great example of studying the same question, but doing different experiments to get the answer, and then getting a different answer. Science not always 100% crystal clear. Most of the time, it's not very clear and clear as mud. And you have to dig deep to understand why two studies may have different results. And sometimes you can't even figure out why. This is the fun part to me, is um, trying to reconcile this stuff. I don't know. It's like writing the discussion in the paper and comparing your work to others and all the little nuances. But anyways, getting back to your original question about whether mosquitoes could have some advantage of um, feeding on certain blood types. This 2021 study found that mosquitoes feeding off of O blood type sources digested the blood better, and those feeding off of AB blood types had the lowest digestion rate. Ah, so maybe the presence of extra antigens makes it harder for mosquitoes to digest, which makes it advantage to have the O blood type seeking behavior. Exactly. That's, that would be the idea, at least. And uh, if you want to read more about these studies or your blood type, we are including links to the papers and um, to also to the Red Cross website, which has a really cool interactive visual representation of what we just talked about explaining blood type antigens and antibodies. Also, we focused on the ABO blood type system here, but there are many other genetic factors that go into blood types than just these antigens alone. Yeah, I read into this a little bit when I was looking into bone marrow donations, and that there are more than 30 different major blood type groups when you consider the other factors besides um, ABO. And it's um, my understanding that for transfusions, ABO is the most important for just, you know, standard blood transfusions. And then these other types can be, uh, need to be considered more when you're talking about bone marrow donation. It has to be an exact match. One of these non-ABO groups is relevant to our story today. So we'll explain a little bit more about a non-traditional blood group called the Lewis blood group. So I was very excited to learn more about the Lewis blood blood group because it's actually slightly related to my current research. Um, you might ask why because you guys probably know by now I, I research the brain, but <laughs> I'm also interested in glycobiology, which is the study of how sugars function in living things. 
And sugars are not only used as an energy source, but we now know that they can be attached to proteins in order to change uh, many properties of the proteins, such as where that protein is located within the cell or outside the cell and what that protein can interact with or what that protein can do um, and its function. So anyways, this is exciting to me because it's another layer of regulation or control that goes beyond just the genes that we have in our bodies. The Lewis antigens are glycoproteins, which are exactly what Rachel described, proteins with sugars attached to them. One other special feature of the Lewis antigens is that they are not produced by red blood cells. They're made by endodermal epithelial cells, such as the cells lining the internal organs, and the Lewis antigens are secreted. So this means that unlike A, B, and rhesus antigens that are attached to red blood cells, Lewis antigens are released by many other cells into blood and can travel to the plasma. Since the Lewis factor does not originate in the red blood cells, the ability of people to secrete the Lewis factor is very important. The production and secretion of the Lewis antigens depends partially on two genes, FUT2 and FUT3, which encode proteins that are called fucosyl transferases. So this is a type of protein that's an enzyme involved in attaching sugars to proteins. Then the activity of FUT2 and FUT3 affects the type of sugars that are attached to loose antigens and the ability of these antigens to be secreted or released from the cell. We'll explain more later, but for now, all you need to know is that these FUT2 and FUT3 proteins help to make the Lewis antigens. And people that have variations in these proteins end up with different amounts of sugars attached, and therefore different Lewis antigens that can either be secreted or not secreted. Before we continue, it's important to point out that the A and B blood types that we described are also related to sugars. Although we classically call them A and B, these letters actually refer to the addition of different sugar groups to the H antigen. So now to dive into a interesting diet. Rachel, have you heard of the blood type diet? Only whispers. Please elaborate. <laughs> to be completely transparent, it was pretty difficult to research this without having a bias already against this diet for reasons that we'll get into <laughs> later. But I aim to understand it well enough to discuss the scientific premise behind it, which is a very small scientific <laughs> premise. Anyway, back in 1996, Peter Damo proposed a new diet based on blood types, and he laid this out in the book, Eat Right for Your Type. It's important to note that Peter is not a doctor. He's a naturopathic physician. But if you go on his website, you'll often see doctor in front of his name. Naturopathic physicians undergo training at a naturopathic medical school, but this school does not give them an MD. Naturopathic physicians focus on looking at a whole body picture of health. We don't think this is wrong, um, and it can be argued that MDs should actually have a, a better understanding of exercise and nutrition. But naturopathic physicians do not undergo the same rigor of medical school, and thus they're not doctors, even if they claim to be otherwise. They can prescribe some medicines depending on the state they work in, but they are still limited. They do go through a graduate program and pass an exam called the MPLEX. And they make the distinction between naturopathic physicians who go through a program and exam and naturopathic physicians who may just get some generic training online that's not as rigorous. Anyways, the, the point we're trying to get across is that Peter Diadimo is a naturopathic physician and not an MD. 
and we work hard for our PhDs and MDs work hard for theirs. And it's it can be frustrating when people throw around a title like doctor without actually being one. As we mentioned already, the point of the blood type diet is that you should eat a certain way based on your blood type. There is two main premises behind this. The first is that your blood type is indicative of a specific ancestor, and there's a diet that's ideal for you based off of that ancestry. The various diets for the blood types are based on estimated time that those blood types arose. So O is considered the first blood type and is deemed the hunter. And if you're type O, you should eat high-protein diets since hunters ate mostly animal meat and they avoided dairy. Type A descended from agrarian ancestors, so they should eat mostly vegetarian diets, though it is argued by some that type A was first, not type O. Type B are considered the nomads, and they can eat just about anything and should focus on exercise, as opposed to the other groups. For type AB, um, these people could eat most of what um, is type A and type B, and they are susceptible to certain diseases. There is some truth to certain blood types being more susceptible to different diseases. Individuals with A and B blood types are more likely to get a blood clot than type O, probably due to what we mentioned earlier with if you have more antigens on the surface of your blood cells, that can cause some hindrance in the Mm -hmm. blood being able to clot more. We're linking to an article that talks about a study that links blood types and disease if you're curious and reading more. The important thing to note with the blood type diet is that the foods chosen for different types do not seem to be very clear and are not really explained at all. It seems like pick and choose kind of a method for eating. Further, some studies have been done on the blood type diet and have not found any evidence for the diet to actually work. <laughs> We're linking to one that was published in 2020 that discusses some of the questions about the recommended foods and the lack of logic behind them. So as I was looking for more evidence, I went to Diamo's site to try and see, okay, if he's making these claims, there should be some references I can follow up with. But there were no citations for most of his website, especially the science side. He throws out all this information and expects you to take it at face value. Or he'll say, read my book and learn more. That is the biggest red flag known to man. Just put that red flag emoji. (laughs) Like, think of it big in your head right now. If someone makes a claim about something, they just have to have evidence to support it. Either experimental evidence that they've generated and will show you, <laughs> or something that some, you know, ideally something that someone else has generated too, and you can see it replicated multiple times. My, my thesis was not accepted without me citing a lot of other people's work, and um, that, you know, my thesis wouldn't have been possible without standing on the work of other people. <laughs> One thing that was ironic to me is on on his website, Diamo pushes that blood type impacts the ability to digest lectins, which lectins are in legumes and grains. And it's known that some people have a harder time digesting lectins. What we kind of do to help digest lectins are we heat them up. We try and break down some of those molecular bonds. But according to his website, for me is a type A blood, which is actually accurate in real life. And I'm a type A person, so that's fun. But I should avoid eating tomatoes because they interact poorly with my blood cells. But here's the real kicker. He sells a product to help your body ward off lectins and prevent them from binding to your cells. No. No. Anytime someone is doing this, they're trying to tell you something. They're not citing their sources and making sweeping generalizations. It's 
as we discussed, a red flag, and th- it's a sign that they're trying to sell you snake oil. Sloppy science. I don't like it. I really enjoyed that in one of your sources, as I was reading through it, um, they like had nutritionists rank their least favorite diets, and this one was at the top of the list for them. <laughs> so this is not looked upon highly by many people. But I've, I've had people tell me I should try this diet, and I'm like, where are you getting this information from? <laughs> the second premise of the blood type diet is that there are secretors and non-secretors. So secretors secrete antigens into other parts of their body, like saliva or tears. And this is well documented and has been used to help with forensics if there's saliva on the scene. Sometimes they can help. Sometimes they can determine blood type from saliva. It's estimated that 80% of people are secretors. And 20% of people are non-secretors because they have a mutation in the gene that helps determine secretion. That gene is FUT2, which we brought up before. Um, And as we mentioned, FUT2 helps to attach sugar groups to proteins. FUT2 is also very important for cells to be able to release or secrete the Lewis antigens. FUT1, which is pretty similar to FUT2, helps anchor antigens to red blood cells, so creating these sticky antigens. So when, when your body reads FUT2 in the ABO locus, it creates this like unique flavor of those two genes together. And those are the antigens that can be seen in secretor saliva, tears. And from this, hopefully you can see that the FUT2 gene is really important and works together with the ABO gene to produce this antigen. There have been some reports that being a non-secretor can make an individual more susceptible to E. coli infection. Not fun. Uh, Type 1 diabetes and inflammatory bowel disease. None of those are fun, actually. We're linking an article in the show notes that looks at a cohort of 8,000 pregnant women and finds association between secretor status and those immune responses. Diamo makes a connection as well between secretor status and blood type in his book, but it wasn't available for us to investigate on his website. From what I could gather from other sources, his main point seems to be that knowing your secretor status could help you ward off diseases that you may be susceptible to. But even then, I mean, you can't change your secretor status. So, yeah, you're kind of stuck with it. With most of Diatomo's work, there's a kernel of truth in what he's saying, but... Small kernel. (laughs) Get a magnifying glass out. You could see it. Um, But then he takes a giant leap and... um, makes knowing your blood type and your secretor status prevent you from getting all diseases. We hope we've given you an overview of what the blood type diet is, but we wanted to shift the last part of the episode to talk about some unintended consequences of the sort of rhetoric around blood type diets. To say that something should work for all people of a certain blood type can be really damaging. For some people who may have heart conditions and are type O blood, um, for instance, the diet tells them to eat mostly meat. We know that diets with vegetables help people with heart conditions. Nutrition is extremely complex, and we do not know a lot about nutrition. It's a very new field. But one thing that every nutritionist would tell you is that nutrition is very individualized. For example, right now I'm working with a nutritionist because I've been having some stomach issues the past few months. So I'm in the process of adding back one food group at a time very slowly to see how my body responds. And my body may respond differently to certain food than someone else. So to tell someone that they must eat one way for optimal health does not consider the full picture. I completely agree. And ultimately, a diet usually is not going to work as people intend. It's likely better to treat it as a lifestyle change and choose foods that you're okay eating in the long term instead of something that's going to be too restrictive for you. 